Emma. I'm Shannon. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. We're two best friends who like talking about weird and unsolvable stuff. And it's lots of fun. Yes. I have a very spooky one for you today. Spooky? Spooky! What are we gonna, what are you gonna tell us about, Emma? Today we are talking about the Winchester Mystery House. (gasps) Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) I just am very excited. I like, I've heard about this, and I think they did an episode of Criminal Minds that was like, related to this. It might be. Like, inspired by it. Um... It's one of those things that, like, I know enough about it to be excited, but I don't know enough details to be like, and I already knew that. <laughs> so I'm just excited. Which I think is what we're all, what both of us are sitting on when the other one tells a story. It's yeah. like, I know about this, but I don't know enough. I know, but I don't actually. Could not tell you a single piece of information, but I claim that I know yeah. about it. All right. So let me, let me help, help you out. Yes, with this, remind me. With this info. So... Let's go into the history of it. So we have our proprietress. She is Sarah Lockwood Pardee, and she was born around 1839 in New Haven, Connecticut. We don't know what month. We don't know what day. We just know around 1839. Not much is known about her early life, um, but we do know that on September 30th, 1862, Sarah married William Wirt Winchester, who was the only son of Oliver Winchester, the owner of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. So, like, the gun company. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, they had one daughter in 1866, and her name was Annie Pardee Winchester, but she died six weeks later from Erasmus, which is an extreme inadequate energy intake leading to malnutrition that reduces the expected body weight well below half. Oh. And so when children have this, it's, um, it's irreversible, um, and you basically can't get them back to full weight. Um, and Sarah and William never had any more kids. Sarah was really, really put out by this. She was grieving for the rest of her life because of this. So when Oliver Winchester died in 1880, William inherited the business, but then he died of tuberculosis in March of 1881, just a few months after his father. The consumption. Yeah, (laughs) it consumes you. Um, And Sarah's own father died around the same time. Uh So she has now lost like the three men in her life, as well as her daughter. This feels like an inciting incident. So the deaths of her husband, her father, and her father-in-law left Sarah Winchester with an inheritance of $20 million, which in now... In then money? In then money. Uh-oh. So in now money, it's $530 million. Wow. She also had 50% ownership of the Winchester company and a daily income of $1,000, which today... <laughs> Is twenty six thousand dollars. Oh my god! Imagine getting twenty six thousand dollars just for every alive. morning, just for waking up. You get twenty six thousand dollars. Can I sign up for that gig? Right. Even I would, I would take one thousand dollars a day just right? to be alive. Just to just to roll over in bed and put your feet on the floor. <laughs> wow! Like, Wait, her name's Sarah Winchester. Sarah Winchester. Isn't that the name of the mom from Supernatural? I have, I have, do not remember. The last time I watched Supernatural was like junior year of high, of college. Okay, it was a very long time ago. It was a ago, very long time ago. I want to say that was the bomb. It might be. We'll look into it. 
they they are named about uh, after the rifles though. That does make sense. When you explained the Winchester as in the gun company, I yeah. went, "Ding, that makes sense." There we go. Uh, the Winchester rifle itself was prominent weapon of both the frontier and within battles and wars of the day. Um, and it was known as the gun that won the West. So basically the gun that killed all the Native Americans <laughs> and the Mexicans um, and opened up the West to westward expansion. So because of this, the death toll caused by Winchester rifles is incalculable because it's not like they went around counting how many Native Americans they killed. They were right. just like, we got rid of them. Yeah. Um, so after the passing of the men in her life and the lasting mourning of her daughter, Sarah sought out the insights of mediums and psychics. Uh-oh. So this is around the time of like the psychic boom too, mm-hmm. um, of the late 1800s. So it's not unusual that she was into this. Mm-hmm. So she met with a renowned Boston psychic, Adam Coons, to try and find some solace and to seek some kind of answer as to why her family was all gone. Um, Coons held a seance with her in the hopes of getting in touch with her loved ones, but instead, Coons revealed that there were other spirits trying to come through. Mm-mm. He said that Sarah's family, the Winchesters, were cursed. Huh. Yeah, you know, just cursed. Yeah. Nothing's wrong with you. It's just I mean, cursed. I feel like maybe you should do that. Like, when you're doing the prenup agreement, you should, like, <laughs> go to a medium and be like, hey, so my future in-laws, like, are they good? Are they, are they, or... Are they cursed? You know. I can't imagine having to sign a prenup in general. Okay, that Seems was like a not lot. the point. I, I know. Just, I'm sorry. I'm talking about a spiritual... The ghosts, the ghosts involved a in a prenup, prenup would be very specific. <laughs> All right, so Kuhn said that the Winchester family was cursed by the souls of those killed by Winchester rifles, who were vengeful and seeking her out, and that the only way to combat this curse was to move west and build a house and never stop building it. So Sarah was to start construction on this house, never stop building, to keep the ghosts confused and at bay. So basically to trick them all into thinking she was in one room when really she was in another. Okay. Yeah. Keep this in mind as we okay. continue. Okay. So Sarah did exactly this. Her sister was already in California, and so she landed west in San Jose, California in 1884, and she purchased an unfinished eight-room farmhouse in the Santa Clara Valley on 162 acres, which is just like an immense amount of land. Um, and this is all farmland out here. Um, and so she got to work. She named this home the Yanada Villa, or the House on Flatland, just because it was flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was surrounded by a farming community, so its placement was a little out of the ordinary once it got big enough. Mm-hmm. It's a little like uh, the crazy lady who lives in the gigantic mansion. Mm. Yeah, she's, she's nice, but she's weird. <laughs> um, and in 1888, uh, four years after she purchased the home, her niece, Marion, her nickname is Daisy. Don't know where that came from. Uh, Merriman moved in moved in to live with her aunt for the next 15 years until she got married. Um, so this niece is also living in this house that's constantly being constructed. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this house. Between 1886 until 1922. That's like 38 years. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. Construction, reconstruction, and renovation of the house never seemingly ceased, leading to a sprawling 24,000-square-foot mansion that included, and we're getting into a nice long list of numbers, so just get ready, 
10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, about 160 rooms, but they don't know just exactly how many rooms there are because every time they go to count, multiple people come up with different numbers. So the guess is around 160. <laughs> it's called a post-it note, guys. You, you just put it and you put one and then you go two. And then you need people to have different number, like different colors of post-it. Yeah, right? I don't, I don't know. Okay. 52 skylights, 47 stairways, 47 fireplaces, two ballrooms, one of which was finished and the other was not. Oh. You know. Like you do with your ballrooms. Seven- you have so many friends when you're the crazy lady in town. Right. 17 chimneys and evidence of two others. 13 bathrooms. Three elevators. Six kitchens. And two basements. Can I just state that you know you're an adult when your first thought is not like, wow, that sounds crazy or like that would be cool to explore. Your first thought is, ugh, the amount of cleaning. <laughs> Because that's all I can think. The amount of Windex, the amount of Clorox wipes. This On the, all those windows? Yes. Are you kidding? And think about cleaning out 47 fireplaces. I mean, one would hope you're not burning them all at once, but still. Yeah, but if you turn on one, the assumption is that, like, at some point you're going to have to clean that. Yeah. Okay. And maybe they do it in rotation. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Sarah did not use an architect and had drawn up her own additions to the home. (laughs) So she's making all of these additions on her pieces of paper. It's also why there's no definitive, like, master plan of the house, because it was just literally, like, she would talk to the foreman in the morning and be like, this is what we're building. Yeah, imagine showing up as that general contractor. Like, (laughs) it's Monday, what's it going to be? Another ballroom? A greenhouse? We don't know. No clue. Um, She was rumored to commune with spirits at exactly 2 a.m. in her seance room, which was in the dead middle of the house. Only one. Apparently. (laughs) Um, But these were the good spirits that were giving her advice on what to build next to best confuse the bad spirits. Got it. I don't know how you know the difference between a good spirit and a bad spirit. I mean. Maybe after 38 years you get real tuned in. Maybe. I just, she didn't think maybe to get a second opinion other than that guy in Boston. Like, another medium, maybe. I feel like when someone says, you're cursed, you're like, oh shit, I'm cursed. I mean, I guess, but I, okay. I don't know. There are stairs and doors that go to nowhere. Windows. Oh, it's a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) It's a spirit. It was a motorcycle going by. So, there are stairs and doors that go to nowhere, windows overlooking other rooms, and stairs with odd risers. So, one staircase goes up to a ceiling, which is actually explained because after an earthquake, the top, like, two floors of the house were kind of rubble. And so, she just built over that staircase, (laughs) like, sealed it up. Okay. So, but it goes directly into the ceiling. Like, not, you could have removed the staircase, but no, just board up. It's fine. One door has an eight-foot drop into a kitchen sink, while another drops 15 feet into the garden bushes below. (laughs) This truly, I mean, now that you've explained that it's supposed to confuse spirits, it truly... (laughs) 
I'm just picturing like a Scooby Doo house of just like hijinks and craziness. Yeah. Like whoa, whoa. like yeah. Well, in the seance room, only has one true entrance, but it has three different exits. So there's four doors in each of the four walls. One of them goes into a closet. One of them goes into another room that like leads into like back into the hallway. Like it's all crazy. And it's meant to confuse the spirits yeah. that are following her around this house. Also, if any actual real life people were trying to murder her. Right. <laughs> you could just like, be like actual well, living gonna get me. <laughs> of Winchester gun victims. Well, like, there was a there was a nephew who told her that he was gonna like come by and visit her at her house and she was like, Yeah, no, I'm just giving you money at the door and you're leaving and that's exactly what happened. Because she was like, You do not need to be near me you do not need to be in here okay yeah i don't know what the issue was there but i read that and that's what is that's what what was said um there was one cabinet one like built-in cabinet when opened was a doorway into another 30 rooms in the house yo that's dope right <laughs> i would love that but it's like truly that portion of the house is closed off unless you find that specific cabinet there's no other it's way like into Narnia, it right but creepy mm-hmm there's a skylight in the middle of the floor, which is like truly like a window built into the middle of a floor and now has banisters around it to make sure nobody like steps on it and falls through. But can you like see into the room that's below? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And there are multiple trap doors in, in the house. So all these crazy things she's built to just confuse spirits, but it confuses everybody else too. At its highest, the house was seven stories, but the top three floors were collapsed in 1906 during an earthquake, and they were never rebuilt. In fact, the whole unfinished front section of the home was boarded up and not repaired after that earthquake until years later, and it's now the entrance of the home. So when you see pictures of the house, that portion was boarded up for a while. Extra creepy. Yeah. You can still see signs of the earthquake damage, too, Mm because it was just never repaired. It, the earthquake also toppled a tower and several other rooms, and those were cordoned off as well. They, the rubble wasn't gone through. Like, nothing was taken care of in that capacity until years later. Did, did your research indicate whether or not she... Obviously, she built all these rooms to be confusing, but did she, like, furnish these rooms? Or oh, were there Don't only, worry. Oh. We get in there. Okay. Never <laughs> mind. I will... <laughs> Objection sustained. <laughs> Don't worry, we will get there. Um, so Sarah herself was caught in the fray of this earthquake, this 1906 earthquake, but and was safe but stuck in the daisy bedroom, which had a floral motif. And the workmen had to dig her out because that's how, <laughs> like, un- like, underneath rubble the house was. Um, but she was fine. She survived. The house was mostly made of redwood, but Sarah hated the way that it looked And so much of it is either stained if exposed or covered over completely. So like wallpaper, like all like paintings and stuff, like stuff Mm -hmm. just covered it. Because of this, the house required at least 20,500 gallons of paint to be covered completely. Like the outside. It's a lot of paint. (laughs) Wow. So only one of the 13 bathrooms was said to be functional. (laughs) Good Um, luck. And the rest were decoys. So, like, imagine being stuck on the third floor, and you really need to pee, and you have to go all the way through the cabinet door, and, like, 
<laughs> I can't it's imagine. Terrible. Um, and she had staff. Like it wasn't like she was alone in this big crazy house. She had staff and she had workmen and she like had her niece. She had friends and stuff like that. But she's just like, I'm the only one who can use the bathroom. Good luck to everybody else, I guess. Don't go anywhere too far away from this bathroom. Um, the modern conveniences of the house were marvels at the time. And she like, there was no expense spared I on mean, this house. When you have 26000 or no, $1,000 a, a day. to just be alive. Seriously. So the house includes steam and forced air heating, modern indoor plumbing, push button gas lights, which is like the ones like you usually like right next to the door, but it would turn on the gas because there wasn't electricity yet. Um, the Otis elevators with a rare horizontal hydraulic elevator piston, which I guess was innovative at the time. Fancy. Mm. And one hot standing shower from indoor plumbing, which was made specifically to fit the 410 Sarah and not get her hair wet. Because she had her special, like, Victorian, like, oh, yeah. hair piled high. And <laughs> so she would stand in the shower and it would go only, like, neck down. And she's 4'10", so the shower is, like, real low. Real short. <laughs> but it was only made for her. Um, the adornments on the house were beautiful and as elaborate as the rest of the house. Again, no expense was spared. There are many stained glass windows, most of them commissioned and made by the Pacific American Decorative Company, um, and some were designed by her, uh, by her as well as designed for her. So one design that she had made featured a spiderweb design, which is throughout the house. Like, she likes spiderwebs. She also likes the number 13. She leaned in. She fully leaned in. She's like, I'm cursed. All right. <laughs> Here I am. And there's a thought that maybe she was using these motifs as, like, a ward against the evil spirits. But they're everywhere. So, like, the number 13 is incorporated in this window that she designed as well as a spiderweb design. But it was never installed. Oh. It was just, like, made. It's now in what is called the $26,000 room, which is all of these beautiful stained glass windows that were either never installed or were installed in inner walls that wouldn't catch any light. Huh. So, other windows were made by Tiffany, like Ooh. the fancy, fancy Tiffany, um, and one was designed by the man himself, so Mr. Tiffany. Wow. I don't remember what his first name is. Um, and it was made so that when sunlight goes through it, a rainbow is cast across the room, but it was installed in an interior wall with no light exposure so the effect couldn't be seen. <laughs> so, like... Rich people. Seriously. <laughs> so now that one also is in the $26,000 room. So Sarah spent copious amounts of money on decorating the home. Like, all types of Victorian furniture. Like, all of it was specifically made for specific rooms. Like, the daisy room had all this floral motif and so did the furniture around it. She spent, like, thousands on paintings and uh, on... Everything was, like, commissioned. Crazy. Crazy stuff. But she was also super generous to, like, oh. her neighbors and her staff. That's she good. was known to pay almost three times the normal rate for her construction worker's daily wage, which at the time would have been about $1.50 per day. Mm -hmm. And she would give them $3 okay. per day, which is insane for the time. She also had a yearly social for her staff and neighbors where she would just invite everyone to come onto the grounds and just, like, 
enjoy food and each other and music and stuff. So construction didn't end until Sarah passed away on September 5th, 1922 of heart failure. It was rumored that at the moment they were notified of her death, the workers stopped mid-hammering and just left things as they were, unfinished, just as she intended. Because she was never supposed to finish the house. It was always supposed Mm -hmm. to be unfinished at every moment in time. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can see now even, like, nails that are, like, not even put in all the way. Mm -hmm. You can see them at at the house. So let's... The attraction of the house is next. All of Sarah's possessions, all those beautiful things that she spent thousands of dollars on, except for the house, everything inside except for the house, were bequeathed to her niece, Daisy, and her personal secretary. So Daisy took what she wanted and then sold everything else at a private auction. Which, at the time, yeah, I get it. But now I'm like, no! (laughs) Historical time travel, we would go back and be like, let us photograph it at least. Please! (laughs) Um, according to legend, it took six trucks working eight hours a day for six weeks to remove all of the furniture from the home. But Sarah Winchester's biographer disputes this because she can't find any evidence of this happening. But mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't know why they would write that down. I don't know. It's 1922. Yeah, sure. Might not be able to find it. The, men- the mansion wasn't mentioned in her will. So appraisers, considering the house worthless due to earthquake damage and its impractical construction and unfinished nature, had it sold to a local investor for $135,000, which is cheap. Mm-hmm. That is so little, especially considering how much money she must have like dumped into this house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was leased to John and Mamie Brown for the next 10 years, and they eventually purchased the house. So they were the ones who started the attraction. And it was actually started five months after Sarah passed. So mm-hmm. in February of 1923, the house was open to the public. And the new mistress of the house, Mamie, took on the role of the first tour guide. And she was, like, all excited about this. Because <laughs> she loved this house. She thought it was so cool. Um, in 2016, there was a whole room that they found that had been boarded up with its original furniture. And it included a pump organ, like the ones that you press with your feet, mm-hmm. and a dress form. Which must have been scary for the person who, like, opened it up and been like, oh, shit, there's a person. <laughs> um, the house is no ha- no longer has the expansive grounds because um, it was 162 acres. It's mm-hmm. now, like, 46 or something like that. Uh. Um, but it's only to in- make sure that it has the space enough for the house and the surrounding, like, gardens. Um, and parking and stuff. I yeah, assume. I'm sure. And now they have tours and a and the whole house is an attraction for visitors looking to figure out what was going on in Sarah's head. So here are some of the theories as to what was going on in Sarah's head. Okay. There is one theory that Sarah was actually just super interested in architecture and so kept herself busy with building new rooms and spaces for the house, but she didn't have any proper training, so all of her measurements were off <laughs> when she drew up her plans. And so the workmen were like, these are the measurements we were given. This is what the rich lady wants. Let's give her what she wants. Yep, she's paying us three times the normal rate. Might as well give her whatever she wants. Another is that in her grief, Sarah was trying to recreate the time in her life that was her happiest, which was when she and William were building their New Haven home. Mm. So they had planned out an entire house for themselves and had it built. And that's where they were living when he passed. There's also a theory, which is currently my favorite because the person, the people that I found who are like gung-ho about this 
One of them is named Neil the Necromancer. <laughs> Shout out to you, Neil. I found him on Facebook. <laughs> Which just makes it better. But then there was another one that was like an actual website about the Winchester house because this person wrote an entire book about the, like, what I'm about to go into. So this theory is that her house's odd design is inspired by Mr. Sir Francis Bacon. Mr. Bacon. Um, And there is speculation that there is a true meaning, quote, to the house. And it is a giant puzzle with clues everywhere. So you're supposed to figure out these clues in order to find the meaning of the house. Like secretly deep somewhere there's a button that you I click guess. and then I it's going to like Hogwarts <laughs> like style. Confetti. It'll it'll all shift and become a house that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but there are clues in the Shakespeare windows in the ballroom and the twists in the iron gates. The thought is that she could have been a member of a mystic society like the Rosicrucians or the Freemasons or both. Bingo card! Seriously, for both of those. Um, The windows in the ballroom read, on one, wide unclasp the tables of their thoughts, which is a quote from Troilus and Cressida, and on the other read, these same thoughts people this little world from Richard II. Now, Neil the Necromancer goes in depth about what this could possibly mean. And it is all so speculative (laughs) that it is just great. I will link his little blurb. He wrote a whole post about it. It's fascinating. So we're going to leave that behind for now. That's just, that's so much more than we need to go into. And this is already going to be long enough. But, oh my gosh. (laughs) So the last is that the curse is true. And she continued to construct this home because she wanted to keep evil spirits confused and away from her. I mean, we can't prove that wasn't true. Right? With all of the crazy amount of stuff? I mean, other than the earthquake. Yeah. And dying of a heart problem. But that's still, like, technically natural causes. Yeah. Other than the earthquake, she didn't face much hardship. Building the house. Building it. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I don't know. All right, so let's get into some of the ghosts. And actually, these are fewer than I thought. Okay. Apparently, the house is not as creepy as it's all made out to be. But I still want to go and be creeped out. Okay. Because there are still ghosts there. I just don't think there is malicious. No scary ghosts. No super scary. Um, So Harry Houdini came to the house in 1924. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was really big into... Debunking yeah. things. So he did this whole like nationwide tour in 1924 meant to debunk spiritualism. So like mm-hmm. when he when he would go to like seances and stuff, he would when asked to close his eyes, he would keep his eyes open. He would like try and figure out all of their little tricks and stuff because he was a magician. He was like, I like I, I know yeah, yeah, I know what tricks you're trying to pull on me. Didn't he have like a squad of investigators? It was like the Pinkertons kind of and it was, I think one of them, one of them was a woman who was like the top notch investigator for him. And she would just debunk every single psychic. I wonder if they did Adam Coons. I wonder if he was still alive then. I don't know. I should look into that. So, Harry Houdini came to the house in 1924 during his nationwide tour. And he was trying to debunk spiritualism. But he came out of the house with nothing bad to say. And he called it the mystery house. 
he was just like, maybe there's ghosts, but can't say that there was, can't say that there wasn't, just a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, another ghosty, well, actually, the, the ghost that everyone can at least name um, is Clyde. His name is Clyde. Um, and many have crossed paths with him. He's a mustachioed man <laughs> who's often seen pushing a wheelbarrow in the basement, or sometimes he's found trying to repair one of the fireplaces in the ballroom. But when he's seen, he's described as wearing white overalls with a Victorian boger hat. And there is a picture of all of the workmen around the, I think it's like the 1910s, 1920s, um, of these of the workmen who were working on the house and he's the one on the far right like everyone can point to him and be like oh that's the guy i saw oh. but most of the visitors think oh it's an actor like it's great oh. good job like that you got someone who looks like this dude like great job meanwhile the management's like no <laughs> you just we saw clyde paid actor <laughs> we you just saw clyde so he's the one who's often seen There is also one that the marketing director took in 2015 of the house. There's a picture she took of the house that she was meaning to post to Facebook, but she captured a woman in the window that at first looked like a reflection of the clouds, but you can see a fairly clear outline of a head and shoulders and skirt that trails off into like darkness. And she's all like ghost white, (laughs) like ghosty white. So I... That picture is going to be on the Instagram. I will show you in a minute. Okay. It's real cool. Um, One of the maintenance workers, his name was Denny, was in the water tower when he heard footsteps above him. It was a three-story tower and was off limits, so he went up up the steps to let the person know, and the footsteps were always above him. So he's like, oh, they must just keep, must be continuing to go upstairs. Then he got to the roof, and there was no one there. So he's just hearing footsteps. The third floor is said to have the most activity, as it was the servants' quarters. Um, So there was a lot of activity of people there anyway at one time. Sarah's room is also said to have a lot of activity, but everyone who has felt any activity there has said it it has been either pleasant or sad. It's never Mm -hmm. been hostile. Zach Bagans and his ghost adventures, which I watched clips from them going here, and it was, I don't want to say funny, it it was slightly funny, but it was also like, he's just yelling at the ghosts. He's just saying, show yourself. We want to see you. Like, dude, don't. Stop catcalling ghosts, bro. <laughs> like, no, but when has that ever worked? Don't catcall a ghost, man. It was, it was truly like, dude, calm down. Like, he's screaming into the house. Um, but... Their investigation resulted in one team member feeling drawn to another room and feeling like someone else had entered his body for a minute. And when Zach looked at him at one point, he was like, that was not you. And they hadn't talked to each other before that. Like, he had come out of the room and he'd been like, whoa, 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 that's not your face. And, like, it was, like, for a second. Hmm. Which is, like, But also, like, this dude, that's all... (laughs) I love him, but I hate him. <laughs> also, with things like that, I just, 
Unless I see a full three-hour unedited tape, I'm like, I don't know. You could have cut the camp, you or you could have gone in agreeing, like, okay, at one point you're gonna go off, and, and then when you come back, I'm gonna say this. Yeah, I yeah, I am a skeptic. Well, and they also didn't find anything on any of their cameras or like the EVPs that they were using. They, you know, how it's like the static, and then it catches some like voices Mm -hmm. those voices are being drawn from like radio waves Mm -hmm. so the likelihood of you picking up a radio wave of a like a radio show yeah in like san jose california yeah it's not like you're in the middle of nowhere in alaska or something yeah so in any case their investigation quote-unquote proved that there are ghosts in the house Um, okay but also According to medium James Van Praagh, which is P-R-A-A-G-H, so I hope I'm saying that right. He's apparently a fairly famous TV medium. Um, He channeled Sarah at a seance dinner, and she said she was very happy that the house had so many visitors. Which is just really sweet. Also ironic if she didn't even let, like, her nephew inside. I'm not really, yeah. So Maybe she just... Didn't like him. I think she might not have just have liked him. Well, because she had her niece in there, and she had all of her staff, and right. she had she had friends who would come and visit. Oh man! Imagine showing up for work. That's a historical novel I need. Some some young girl showing up for like a maid job, and then oh she like what? You end up in this house. Like what room am I in? Where am I going? Goodness. All right. So that's the house. Okay. Then what, some of the little notes now are that the house was apparently Disney's inspiration for the haunted mansion in Disney World, the ride, um, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then now there is currently a 360-degree tour available online at the WinchesterMysteryHouse.com for $9 for you to explore the entire house. So they've done a whole 360 cool. like visual thing that you can just search the entire house. You could count the rooms yourself. Yeah. <laughs> if you're really That's bored. That's still weird to me. I'm bored one day. But I don't know if maybe it's because like some of the rooms are boarded up or some of the rooms are like not necessarily you can't enter them right. or anything. Um, but yeah, that was much shorter than I thought it would be. Can I can I reveal something to you? Oh sure. Uh oh. <laughs> this was fascinating. This was also not what I thought it was. Yeah, no, I th- so I when I was researching this, I was like I would I thought it was going to be a lot more ghosty, a lot more like. Creepy. You, you know, it, it just came to my brain when you said Winchester House. My brain supplied H.H. H. Holmes Murder <gasps> Hotel. Don't worry. <laughs> I would love to get there. However, that one is solved. <laughs> okay, but it's still like creepy. It is still creepy. Cool. Maybe we can do just like some short creepy stories because yeah. there are some where it's like. But I guess my just fascinating. I guess my brain was like building with secret rooms and things the same. So I kept waiting when you were like. And then all her family died. I was like, oh, and this is when she goes crazy and builds the murder house. And then you <laughs> never got to that point. She was actually no. just like a nice eccentric lady. Yeah, so far as we know, she was just, <laughs> yes, an eccentric versus crazy because she was rich. So she's eccentric. Yes. You're only crazy when you don't have the money to exactly. pretend like you're fun. Put that on the merch. Seriously. <laughs> We're going to have so much merch. 
It's just gonna be. It's just gonna be t-shirts that we write on for it's ourselves. It's puffy paint. <laughs> it's just gonna be puffy paint. We have oh artist gosh. friends. We do. We, we have could so get many. Sarah or Rory to do like stickers. Yeah. Or something. So many Christmas presents for our family. So many friends. stickers about our podcast that we're going to give you. Good lord. Anyway. Well, thank you for sharing that, Emma. I'm, You're welcome. I don't know. Maybe thank I'll you go for listening. take that virtual tour. I know. Maybe. I kind of I kind of wanted to do it. The reason <laughs> I didn't do it was because I was like, it's just going to take me forever to look through the whole thing. Very true. That I was like, I need to, <laughs> I need to like, also, write I down think stuff I would first. want, I would want like a investigation discovery TV special where some I'm like sure there's plenty. soothing voiced person is like talking me through like oh and here you see the daisy room yeah. named for her niece who blah 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 like when you're when, like when you go to a museum and they give the you like audio the tour. audio tour yes yeah. no. precisely that's fair I mean I thought it was going to be a lot more spooky mm-hmm. when I first did it when I was first researching it but I mean, it's really just kind of sad. Yeah. So. Yeah. I hope the curse wasn't actually real and she just made a, f- a house that was fun for her to make. Because honestly, she probably was just coping with all of her grief. She was in mourning for her whole life. Like, she wore black from the moment her daughter died until her death. Which I'm sure only added to the eccentric nature. I'm sure. Nature. And there were there's only two photographs, known photographs of her. Mm. Um, so I will post both of those too. She was a very pretty woman. And it's kind of sad that we don't have more photos of her. Because like, the last photo, the, well, the second and last photo that we have of her is in front of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like she was like kind of house proud in a way. Yeah. At least if you're going to spend all that money to build it and it's furnish it. It's be your life's work. And you should be proud of the fact that you're keeping all the ghosties at bay, right? True. And I you're mean. supporting the local economy. You're giving jobs. <laughs> Important. Yeah. Support small businesses, you guys. <laughs> all right. Well, if you want to see these photos that Emma has to share, you can find us on Instagram at this podcast doesn't exist. No apostrophe, because that's how handles work. Uh, but we will be posting these photos. You can see uh, the ghosts and the cool house and one of the two photos, maybe both of them, of Miss Sarah Winchester. Yeah, and if you have any ghost stories about this house, if you've gone there, um, I would have. I, I, I really want to go. But if you have anything that you would like to share with us, you can shoot us an email at this podcast doesn't exist at gmail.com, no apostrophe. Um, and we would love to hear, I love ghost stories. <laughs> I get so creeped out by like ghost movies. Like I've seen paranormal activity. I've seen it once and I never need to see it again. <laughs> never again. I like that, that kind of scariness doesn't i think i'm more invested in the stories than i am in the actual like ghost do you know what i mean are you and angus doing any like spooky movie nights for no uh not november it's october it's october (laughs) no um we watched nightmare before christmas the other night but it was not i was i was actually kind of like not into it like i don't feel i think because it's still covid times Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it's really spooky season. And spooky season is my favorite. Hmm. So 
I mean, we got pumpkins yesterday, but we got them at, like, Home Depot. Well, you know, hot take. I don't really love Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, it's fair. Claymation things freak me out. It's. I know it's not claymation. I just... Well, no, it is. It's, like, half claymation, half, like... I... I just... I also only saw it for the first time in, like, 2014. Okay, so later. In and the- I felt like I, by that point I had been influenced to believe, like, that I needed to love this and be super yeah, into this. No. And I was like, I don't love it. It's not even a Halloween movie. No. It's also not a Christmas movie. No. It's a Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. It's anyway. a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> so I was watching it the wrong time. I've actually asked Rachel, who's one of my friends who's super into horror movies Mm. if there's like a like easing into horror movie that i could watch and she was like uh sure i'll look into it and i was like maybe the exorcist since it's like older and it won't like freak me out because it's kind of like campy at that point she was like no no the exorcist will scare the living daylights out of you and i was like oh (laughs) so she told me about the werewolves werewolf of london or something like that. Werewolves in London. Um, and she she was like, it's it's an 80s flick. It's campy and goofy and scary, yeah. but fun. So I might be watching that soon. All right. Well, we hope you're enjoying your spooky season. Whenever this is released, Halloween might have already happened. But you can still be spooky in the fall. Um, so we'll let you get back to all of your fun <laughs> activities. Spooky activities. <laughs> and remember... This podcast doesn't exist.